everybody, I just want to welcome you to the Advocates for Direct Democracy YouTube channel. And the um, so the name of this video is The World is on the Brink of Revolution. Uh, we're starting to see all these protests pop up everywhere around the world. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of anger to go around. And uh, I'm going to pull up a few articles that I was researching today. Uh, just to show you the, um, the, the urgency of all these protests happening around the world. So the first one we're going to start here with uh, the country of Chile. Chile is the recent protest to happen. Uh, and again you can see that there's real anger here in the streets of Chile. So essentially what started the protest uh, in Chile was a bus fare or subway fare that, uh, that they hiked. So essentially that wasn't the, the reason why they protest uh, eventually, or sorry, it was, um, it was basically a buildup. That was basically the, the straw that broke the camel's uh, back. So of course, uh, a lot of truck and taxi drivers took to the streets. They they created gridlock and they and they blocked a lot of the highways in protest and support of the of the other protesters. Now, like I was saying, the you know the 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 subway hike was wasn't the you know the end all be all. This again was a a build up and it got to that point where um, they basically had enough. So this is one of the reasons why they protest. The young protesters who are also experiencing the strain of underfunded education system were joining a mass demonstrations by many other Chileans who are frustrated with rising living costs, low wages, and one of the worst rates of inequality in Latin America. Protesters across the country, including striking workers and trade unions, continue to defy the government's curfews to pour on the streets for the eighth day. Now, uh, Chile is one of the... Um, one of the best economies in um, in South America, but again, has got one of the widest uh, gaps of inequality. We'll read this line right here. Chile has the highest rate of income inequality among a group of 35 of the world's wealthiest nations. The country suffers from large pay gaps between men and women and low levels of employment for women, youth, and low-skilled groups, according to a 2018 OECD report. Um, with one of the highest rates of economic inequality in the region, uh, Santiago, Chile's capital, luxury apartments and private schools and hospitals sit close to overcrowded schools, underfunded public schools, and shanty towns. So again, you know, Chile, like other countries, have their, you know, their elite, their uh, one percenters, and the rest of the people of Chile have to suffer the consequences. So again, there's some real anger there, and they're taken to the streets. And I just want to point out that there's this big, there's this huge disconnect between the citizens and the government. And I will explain further into the next article. Now, <clears throat> staying in the South American region, um, protests have sort of simmered, but they're still not over yet um, in Ecuador. So, you know, here is one of the reasons why the people of Ecuador uh, basically... Uh, had enough and and could possibly lead to a revolution. 
Now, the protesters are angry over President Lenin Moreno's decision to cut decades of old fuel subsidies and implement tax and labor reforms. Just a note that Lenin Moreno is the same president that evicted Julian Assange out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London. So I just want to keep that in mind for those of you who have short memories. So the protests began on October 3rd when President Lenin Moreno cut uh, petrol subsidies that have been in place in the country for over 40 years. The cuts saw the price of diesel more than double and petrol increase by 30% overnight. Now, the same thing happened in France and basically that's what broke the straw, uh, the broke the camel's back, excuse me, the straw that, that broke the camel's back of France. Same reasons, the, the, the hikes in diesel and in gas. Now I'm going to read this little bit of information to you which is, I find this really sickening and, 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 and uh, interesting at the same time, I guess. Now, the government also released a series of labor and tax reforms as part of its belt-tightening measures it was forced to undertake when it agreed to a $4.2 billion loan from the IMF. Now, it's funny, I was talking about Julian Assange. Before all that stuff happened with the Julian Assange, uh, Vice President Michael Pence had visited with Lenin Moreno, who was just, uh, who was just newly elected, and uh, they were, of course, they were talking about Julian Assange. And, uh, and of course, uh, Ecuador is not a really rich company and it, or sorry, it's not a rich country and needed the money to sustain, sustain itself. So I guess there was a deal struck with Mike Pence uh, to deal with the IMF. Now, if you guys know what the IMF is, it stands for International Monetary Fund. Some people refer to it as the International Mafia Fund. What the IMF is, is it's the central banks. It's the central bank to all central banks around the world. And every time there's a country that is facing bankruptcy, the IMF will go in there because they have connections with their central banks uh, and they'll make a deal. But the problem is, is that when you usually deal with the IMF, there is certain austerity measures. And essentially, it's not the rich people that suffer. It's actually the middle class the working class or basically the, the broke that suffer from these austerity cuts. And this is one of the reasons why they also protested too. And they made Mourinho uh, take the money and give it back to the IMF. So the people of Ecuador are really, really smart to, to say the least. But again, there's that disconnect. See, this is the problem with representative governments. They never consult the people. They shoot first and they ask questions later. And then this is the result. So God bless, God bless the people of Ecuador. Now let's move on out of uh, South America and into Lebanon. Again, the world is on a brink of revolution, and um, and it's very evident in the country of Lebanon. Here we go. Now the, this is a little bit different. There, there's not one issue that they're protesting about. They're just sick and tired. They're just sick and tired of the political system. In, in, in Lebanon, and I'll read you this uh, this bit of information here. Uh, but the government cannot contain the anger of a population that is sick and tired of economic stag stagnation, endemic corruption, and the lack of basic public services. Now, further in this article, there was talk about nepotism, and essentially those with money have influence, uh, and therefore, if you know someone that has money and influence then you essentially get uh, taken care of. Now, sorry, there was a trigger moment, like there is with all with all uh, uh, revolutions on the brink. 
And uh, I'm sorry to, I, I missed this, but I'll point this out that the protest uh, that triggered this was a tax on a WhatsApp voice calls that the government quickly ditched. So they're going to tax every call that was made on WhatsApp, which is that app that you have on your phone that you can make internet phone calls. And you don't need a, um, you don't need a landline or a cell line to do it. So again, Lebanon, they're sick and tired of uh, uh, politics. And they're not even protesting either. Uh, they're not protesting a government that's on the right or the, uh, that's on the left. They're protesting the system, essentially. All right, let's go back to South America and to the country of Bolivia. Now, this is really, really, really disturbing. Now, there was recent uh, a recent election victory, Evo Morales. Um, even though I don't agree the, uh, of the system of politics that they support, the representative system, I will say that I've done some research on this gentleman, and uh, he's basically salt of the earth. He's uh, he's been outstanding for the people of Bolivia, and that is why he uh, outright won the the uh, the elections. Now there's allegations, and um, apparently there's this organization called the Organization of American States, short form for OAS, that apparently, and I don't know how this happened, but apparently they're going to be going into a foreign nation and to uh, investigate the um, the election and uh, 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 apparent allegations of uh, voter rigging uh, or vote rigging. Now, we all talked about the, the Russian involvement in the last presidential election in the United States and how, you know, all the Democrats, all the Hillary, and, and I, I suppose all the Bernie supporters were outraged uh, how Donald Trump had won and that the, somehow that there was, uh, you know, there was manipulation and voting Reagan uh, on behalf of the Russians. And now what bugs me is, is that the, you know, the people, those same people that are outraged of the so-called voter rigging by the Russians are not outraged with this. I mean, I mean, you know, people really have short memories, don't they? And I mean, it just didn't happen in Bolivia. This has been happening throughout American history. Okay. I mean, anywhere from the Middle East to South America to Africa, uh, I mean, anywhere that American imperialists can get their hands on, they're going to try to manipulate the, the, the election there so that they can put their guy in. And now, in this case, Evo Morales is a totally, a total socialist, and he's definitely for the people. And, of course, when um, there is someone or, or someone that stands for something that is against your personal interests, and in case of the American imperialists, of course, they're going to have to send someone in there uh, to investigate. So, the uh, essentially the the, the protests uh, is in response to the so-called investigate uh, the investigation that is being put on uh, to Evo Morales and possible uh, voter voter rigging, which is absolute uh, uh, crazy. Uh, the people spoke in Bolivia, and this is the person that they want, and that's the end of it. So again, this is another country that could that could be possibly on the brink of a revolution and of course France has been you know you can call it a soft revolution if you like but they, they've been revolting for the last year and so um, of course this all started back in, in uh, September of, of last year over a, a gas tax but the gas tax like I said before was uh, essentially the straw that broke the camel's back uh, that really sparked a revolution. And now it's gotten to the point where the the people of France, the majority of them, because they recently did a poll and they asked if 
the people of France support the Yellow Vest, and over half of the population of France supports the Yellow Vest. Now, the Yellow Vest's goal, and you got to keep in mind that there's a lot of other movements that are sabotaging the Yellow Vest. They're actually using the Yellow Vest to kind of represent their own protest. But the Yellow Vest, essentially, the Gilets Jaunes is all about the RIC, which is something that we've been actually advocating for, which is advocating for a system of direct democracy. Now, the RIC stands for referendums initiated or initiated by the citizens. Essentially, that's what direct democracy is. And they sat down with the with some of the ministers of France. And of course, when you present a system of direct democracy to politicians, essentially, they're going to shut you down because this threatens them. This threatens their job. And there's no way that they want people to make the decisions. So again, it's, it's been over a year uh, and so, a uh, year and a little bit longer, and people in France are still fighting for sovereignty. All right, now um, let's go to the Caribbean nation, and this is the Republic of Haiti. Now, Haiti has been in, in chaos for decades. It, it's a really poverty-stricken stricken country. Thanks to the imperialists of America, and I'm talking about the American government and the corporations that support it. Um, and of course, it's gotten much worse. And I'll read this line here. The Republic of Haiti is suffering a meltdown, and it has been for decades, but lately things have gotten much worse. Severe energy shortages, harsh levels of inflation, and sharp price increases have ignited public anger over sus suspected official corruption and led to widespread demonstrations calling for the resignation of President Jovenel Moise, a businessman who came to power in 2017. Again, I talk about the disconnect between the citizens and their governments, okay? Governments are, are supposed to be there for the people. That's why they call them representatives. But this gentleman here who sits obviously on the right is probably handpicked by the American imperialists and now, again, uh, they did get a loan from the IMF, and this is the result. IMF, again, the IMF comes in there. They put it on, on strict austerity measures, very rigid uh, measures. And it just makes the people of uh, Haiti, who are already destitute, uh, even more po uh, poorer. So, again, this country is uh, has been has been revolting for decades. And I think it's, it's, it's like they're saying here in the article, it's going to get much worse. And I really do hope the at the end of the day the the people of Haiti get what they what they deserve, and I mean that in a good way. I hope they get a different political system that actually listens, like a direct democracy. Okay, now this country here, I'm is really near and dear to my heart. Um, I don't I don't really support or idolize I don't idolize any leader. Um, I have this motto or this way of thinking is. Is I don't lead, or, uh, I don't follow anybody, and I don't want anybody to follow me. Everybody should really think for themselves. But in this case, I will say, uh, Mr. Gaddafi, who was taken out by the again by the American imperialist. Um, if you read, ever had a chance to read the, the Green Book, and I know this country is not rev is not revolting; it's actually in civil war. But I wanted to mention this because the country was stable at one point. I mean, Gaddafi. If you read the Green Book, he was advocating for a system of direct democracy, and they were actually using it for a while up until uh, there was a lot of uh, international threats, and they had to basically stop stop that because of a lot of inf infiltration 
coming into the country of Libya. Now, Gaddafi, um, I'll mention some of the things in the Green Book. He built one of the largest irrigation systems to help the farmers um, irrigate their crops. He gave, um, he gave $50,000 to newlywed couples who were expecting a child. Um, he gave free education um, to all Libyans. And if the education wasn't, uh, wasn't there in Libya, he would fly them abroad to go learn elsewhere. All, all for free. Because I guess his motto was, if you have a well-educated uh, country, then you're going to have a civil, a very civil country, a prosperous country. And they were on the right path. Now, his final demise, his final demise was... Uh, there were there were talks because not only did he help Libya, but he also wanted to help the continent of Africa because he's seen the decades of um, of mistreatment and the stealing of natural resources from the African people. I mean, there's a lot of African nations that are are, 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 in, are in absolute poverty, and he was trying to get them out of poverty by using their own resources to prop them up. And there was talk about a central uh, there was talk about a uh, a central currency all of Africa and of course when you when you have central banks like IMF and you have countries like the states that to them is a direct threat to their currency the American dollar so of course uh, I'm not saying that it was the only thing but it was probably one of many things that that basically um, uh, aided in his demise and again uh, what happened to Gaddafi was an absolute atrocity this is someone that we we had to get behind to support. And of course, a lot of people to this day call him a terrorist without even uh, doing any proper research and just listening to what mainstream news spoon feeds them. So folks, I mean, this, this is it really. I mean, this is where the world stands. And if we, we don't take a stand and uh, if we don't stand up, uh, things will get much worse. Um, now, I was talking about how there's a, this huge disconnect. You got this whole, this huge disconnect between the people and its governments. Okay, and you know, keep this in mind. Um, it's always been that way by design. People say that the system is, is a failure. Yes, it's been a failure for the majority of people, but really the people that created, for instance, the Constitution... There are some good elements in it. I'm not going to say that there's not, but the country was uh, was founded and it was the Constitution was created by rich white slave owners. Again, I don't want to make this a racist thing, but I'm just going to give you the facts, and that's and that is the facts. So the same thing here in Canada, when we could have, uh, you know, when the when the Commonwealth, when England wanted us to become more independent, we had that choice to confederate and create our own constitution and perhaps go with a more direct democracy. But of course, our leaders and our politicians at that time pretty much sold us out. So, I mean, look, guys, I mean, the earth right now is red hot. And, and, and not only from the fires that are happening all over the world, but, you know, from people uh, basically who have had enough. Look, there's, there's a saying. When people lose everything, they basically lose it. And, and we're starting to see that all over the world. So, you know, I mean, the choice is really ours. We can start disconnecting ourselves from the current systems. 
Now, if anybody knows who this lady is, her name is Deb Dillapiana, and she has something called Become Ungovernables. And it's just not her. There's a bunch of, there's a, this fantastic group that's working together to try to educate people on how to disconnect yourself from the system. And I'm not talking about just the political system. I'm talking about the economic system. Okay? The economic and the political system is something that you need to dis disconnect yourself or limit the use of. And I'm talking about, you know, stop buying from big corporations. I absolutely stop voting because, again, every time you vote, every time you mark that X on your ballot, you're actually consenting to their bad behavior. You're basically saying, I'm giving up my right as a sovereign citizen and I'm giving it over to you. So you have, you're giving up your sovereignty every time you mark that X on the ballot. So anyways, becomeungovernables.net. Check it out. I think moving forward, this is a great idea. And for those of you who are saying, yes, I like Become Ungovernables, but what do we do as a solution? And of course, direct democracy is the solution. And when you get a chance, please, guys, check out a, a web page called onevoicenow.org. The creator, David Frank, who's a, who's a great American from South Bend, uh, South Bend, Indiana, who's been pitching this idea since the late 80s. It's all about direct democracy. And it's about starting on the local level, which is your municipal or town level. So that's it, guys. That's all I got for you today. Uh, look, if you don't know what direct democracy is, please research it. Do yourself a favor. It's the only system that actually gives people power. The current system is the absolute total opposite. And the politicians that are in power are not going to want to give that, uh, give that up. So I want to thank all you guys for watching this. And until next time, take care.